Well, I would like to say a happy Thanksgiving season to you here because that is the season that is upon us. It's a shame that we actually have to look at it and address it only as a season. It should be something that, that every moment of every day, of every week, of every month, right? It really should be something that uh, is a part of us. Uh, we've been talking about <clears throat> limitless. And I want to continue along that theme and how it connects to thankfulness and, and to God's providence, you know. Uh, you probably see a little picture here that reminds you of maybe one of the first Thanksgivings or something like that. You know, it looks kind of archaic, you know. These are, you know, old pictures and all. But these guys who are sitting around this table with their new friends, these Indians who really saved their lives by God's providence was displayed through the Indians teaching them how to survive during the winters and how to plant corn and putting fish heads in there with them and all that kinds of stuff. But these guys were the equivalent of, a, of our people today who get in a spaceship and go to the moon. You know, These folks were going to a place that man had never gone before, getting aboard a ship crossing, you know, all those miles of turbulence and storms and coming to an area. I mean, it took some pretty risky kind of people to do that, don't you think? And a lot of people did not necessarily survive. And so when they came to their first Thanksgiving, they were extremely thankful for the providence that Almighty God had made, the provisions that God had made for them, not just in some food, but in the people, the, the Indians who taught them how to survive, or otherwise they wouldn't have been around, you know, uh, anymore. Well, <clears throat> are the good things that you enjoy in your life, are they, how can we say, just mere chance? Or happenstance, kind of, Happenstance means kind of like a coincidence. Oh, that, that good thing happened. <laughs> you know, it, was just a, it was just, I was just lucky. <laughs> right? It was just mere chance and happenstance is why something. See, if, if it's just mere chance, if it's just luck, well, then you need not be thankful. But if it's the providence of Almighty God, well, then we need to direct our gratitude to the source from which it came. And some people feel like, oh, well, Lady Luck is just shining on me now. I don't think so. I don't think any good thing that's ever happened to us has anything to do with Lady Luck. You know, I mean, I, I see a similarity to the word luck and Lucifer, and I think they're closely related to each other, you know, just believing in mere chance. So therefore, if, if it's the providence of God and his limitless provision, his limitless providence, anywhere in all of creation that we find ourselves, then we need to truly be thankful and grateful for all he's done. It says in the book of James, chapter 1, verse 16, it says, So don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good, would you say good with me? Good. good. 
Whatever is good and perfect, it comes down to us from God our Father. Whatever is good and perfect does not come because Lady Luck is shining on us. But anything that is good and perfect comes down to us from our Father who created all the lights in the heavens. Now Martin Luther, he uh, once said, he said, God's wonderful works, which happen daily, are often lightly esteemed. His wonderful works are often lightly esteemed, not because they are of no importance, but because they happen so constantly and without interruption. Man is so used to the miracles that God rules the world and upholds all creation. And because things daily run their appointed course, it seems insignificant. The sun always rises, always sets, you know. And no man thinks it's worth his while to meditate upon it and to regard it as God's wonderful work. And yet the things that happen to us every day is more awesome and more spectacular, more wonderful than when Jesus fed the 5,000 men plus the wives and their kids with five loaves and two fish. I mean, how much effort does it take for us to see the sunrise? Anybody see the sunrise this morning? was awesome. Some of you some of you've never seen a sunrise before? You had to get up earlier, you know, to do that. Or stay up late. I'm not sure which way is best to do it. But what I'm saying is, isn't it easy to take things for granted? If let's just say that we lost electricity tonight and didn't get it back for two weeks. Nowhere in all of Connecticut had electricity all of a sudden you would recognize how blessed we have been to have it. But we do take it for granted, do we not? And we take for granted the wonderful, limitless providence of Almighty God, and often we forget to just say thank you for the common things that we see every day, the leaves that were changing, the leaves that are falling. When I go out and the leaves there, you know, and uh, the Lord giveth my leaves and the Lord taketh them away, because I don't mess with them. <laughs> I like leaves, but the smell, when I smell the leaves in my yard, it triggers memories of when I was a child. And it's like, oh, wow, thank you, Lord, that I have the ability to re remember. And those leaves are very special and spectacular. And so God's wonderful works is happening every day all around us. But sometimes we just take it for granted. We really do. So it is important to have a Thanksgiving season so we just stop for a little bit and go, yeah, what do I have to be thankful for? But his limitless, his providence, you know, is there, but because it's so continuous and so consistent, all we have to do is have a sun that didn't rise one day. We had a 48-hour day, you know, and it's just like, oh, man, I hope we don't keep doing that, you know. Whatever is good, whatever is perfect, it comes down to us from God our Father who created all the lights in the heavens. And it goes on to say, and he never changes. Somebody want to come, well, this is, this, he don't change. We don't need something that has deviated from God's word. 
He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. See, there's nothing deceitful about God. There's nothing two-faced about God. There's nothing fickle, you know, wishy-washy about God. He never changes. And, and he's not like those shifting shadows, you know, that fickle, double-minded, you know, deceitfulness. He's not that way. He goes on to say in verse 18, he chose to give birth to us. Well, one birth, and then for many, a second birth. And you know, if you've only been born once, you'll die twice. If you've been born twice, you only die once. Does that make sense? That's the truth of what God's word tells us about being born again. And it says he chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. And we, talking about you, us here, out of all creation became his, what's that word? We became his prized possession. I mean, God don't go around that, you know, universe and, Bragging to the angel, hey, look, what do you think of that sunrise, man? You know, what do you think of that Niagara Falls? What do you think of that mountainscape? You know, he goes, what do you think of my son? What do you think of my daughter? They're, they're, they're walking now, you know, all right? It took you a little while to spiritually get walking, and you're doing well, and you're making good choices. You are God's prized possession. And for that, we need to say, thank you, God, that you put such value upon us because sometimes we may feel a little bit more like dirt. You ever felt like dirt? God goes, you're my son. You're my daughter created in my likeness. And, and, and he's given us a book, you know, to study and to read and it transforms us and it, it changes us. It really does. But he says here that we became his prized possession. Now, let me give you a definition of providence. Providence is foresight. Oh, foresight and, and forethought. God considered us in advance before we were ever born. God considered us in advance and he made preparations for us. Before we ever needed it, preparations was made to care for us and to supply provisions that we need. That's what providence is. It's foresight and forethought and then there's preparations made because he knew you were going to be here at a certain time, and he knew you was going to need this and need this and this. I mean, he knew those guys to survive were going to need some friends, the red men, to teach them some things if they were going to survive in this land. So God's providence, he has foresight and forethought for everything that you need while you are on this journey on this planet. Now, we can miss it. We can miss the provisions if God wanted, and he's got all the provisions made because his will for you is to be over here on the top of this mountain, and he had a ram caught in the thicket. You remember Abraham and Isaac? And then if you said, well, I'm not going to do what God says. I'm going to take a shortcut and take this little bitty mountain over here. Well, you wouldn't have found the ram over there. See, God's providence is, is found when we're in his will. And he's always made provision for every one of you who is here. He's made provision for everything you need during your journey on this planet. He really has. And it's just like, wow, thank you, Lord. I just want to get in God's will. I want to discover what all that might be, you know. Let's look at a familiar passage. Um, it talks about the, the great shepherd who provides and protects his sheep. It's found in Psalms 23. And it says here, the Lord is my shepherd. And he says, I have all. 
That, that all just means everything. He says, the Lord is my shepherd, so says the psalmist. The Lord is my shepherd, and I have all. I have everything that I need. Now, I wonder, can you honestly say that right this moment? Can you say, well, the Lord is my shepherd, and, and I have all. I have everything I need. Or you go, no, I need, I need, I need. And you see, some things that we think we need, it's just maybe a covetous that we really, 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 really want because somebody else has got one, but it may not be really so much a need. You know what I'm saying? That's very possible. But he says here, the Lord is my shepherd and I have all, everything that I need. And he lets me rest in green meadows. Now the sheep, when they'd get in the green meadows, they would eat that luscious grasses to their full. And they could rest. They weren't like competing with all the other sheep because there's a little bite there. That's mine. There's a little bite. No, he, he leads us into luscious green meadows where you can just eat. You can lay down and eat. There's so much of it there, you know. You're resting. You're not competing because there's an abundance that's providence. There's foresight and forethought into it. And, and our shepherd leads us where there's an abundance. You're not having to compete with everybody to get your little bit. He says, he lets me rest in green meadows and he leads me beside peaceful streams. You know, to drink that cool water and you know sheep are afraid of uh, bubbling brooks, rushing water because they're, they're a, a sheep is a big sponge. If he falls into deep bubbling water, he will sink to the bottom. You know, it's just the way sheep are. But it says, uh, he leads me beside peaceful streams. And he, he renews my strength through his provisions, physically and spiritually. He renews my strength. And he guides me along right paths. Psalms 32 says he, he leads us in the best pathways for our life. Are there some ways that you've taken before that wasn't the best? But he says he guides us along the right path, the best pathway for our life. And that brings honor to his name. Even when I walk through the darkest valley, we know that's the valley of the shadow of death. He says, even when I walk through the darkest valley, I, the psalmist says, I will not be afraid. For you, we're talking about the providence of God. God himself is there. He says, for you are close beside me. And then your rod, the rod is talking about a club. It's a stick. It's really good to break the head of a wolf with, you know. And he says, and your rod and your staff, and his staff is more like that long one that has a crook on it, you know. So when a, a sheep falls down into a ditch somewhere or he's in a thicket, they'll stick that crook stick in there, hook it into the wool, and then spin it round and round and round and jerk the sheep out of it or jerk him back up off of the edge of a cliff or something. So the rod and the staff fights off wolves and it keeps you on the right path. And, and he says right here, he says, uh, your rod and your staff protect and they comfort me. Uh, I don't have to worry about wolves. Shepherd's got his rod, man. And if, if we slip and get caught up in stuff, he's got his staff, man. I mean, you know, it gives us comfort and we know we're going to be okay. That's the providence of God. And how often does he protect us and we don't even know it? I mean, how many times have you been walking in the woods and you don't even know there was a rattlesnake or a copperhead right over there and you stepped right by it and didn't even know it? You wouldn't want to know it because you'd have a heart attack probably. But, that, but what I'm saying is he does protect us. You know that. And I venture to say we've all been by some pretty serious dangers and didn't even know it. And I'm kind of like you. It's like, I'm cool with that. I don't have to know everything, you know. But I know he's with me. He's got his rod and he's got his staff. 
and he protects me and that, that I know he's with me, boy, that comforts me, that he's going to take care of me. And I know he will, you know. It says in verse 5, it says, you prepare a feast for me. Now, a host provides abundantly for their guests, Pro provides as best as they can. Now, my resources are very limited if I was to be your host, but if God's going to be your host, he is, what's the word? Limitless. He is limitless. He has no limits on him other than what you put on him. And he says here, the psalmist says in verse 5, you prepare a feast for me in the presence of mine enemies. Now, nobody sits down and has a comfortable feast when, when their enemies are trying to kill them. Except when God says, y'all sit down and rest. Take it easy. I'll take care of the enemies. He says, you prepare a feast for me in the presence of mine enemies. We're talking about the providence of God is limitless. We can sit in the most dangerous of times and have peace and, and, and find the provisions of Almighty God. And that should inspire us to be thankful. It truly should. He says, you honor me by anointing my head with oil and my cup overflows. <laughs> I like to be biblical. So there's my cup. And you understand what it means when a cup overflows, right? But you know something? God's cup, when God starts pouring the blessings in, he never stops it. And I think it's fantastic when we recognize that, that God is limitless and, and this is something that I've discovered over the years, that when God's pouring us full and his blessings are overflowing, what happens when water overflows from a, a feed trough? I mean, I've been out west a few times in my life, and it's like desert area, and you see a windmill out there, and that windmill is pumping water from way down below, and they got these great big old watering troughs for all the cows. And, and the wind, as long as the wind's moving those windmills, water is flowing, all the cows drinking all they want, it's spilling over the side of it. There's green grass and trees and shrubs and all, everywhere growing all around where the water is just bubbling over. But you get away from that water, everything's just dry again. The grass is, I mean, the, the soil is fertile. There are seeds in it, but there's just no water there. But the scripture here tells us, he says, you honor me, the latter part of verse 5, you honor me by anointing my head with oil, and my cup overflows with what? Blessings. Blessings. There again, God blesses us so much that we can't use it all. So it'll overflow, and it'll produce life in other places beyond us, you see. And therefore, we should be thankful, even in times where they're threatening all kinds of difficulties maybe upon us, or here or there. It's just like God says that our cup runneth over with his blessings that he is pouring more than we can contain, more than we can use. And then he goes on to say in verse 6, Surely your goodness and unfailing love. Now human love can fail, and it often does. But he says, Your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me every other year during my life. Oh, I'm sorry. He says, your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me until I'm 50. <laughs> then you're on your own? No, but he says, God's goodness, everything that's good in my life, it came from him. 
His goodness and unfailing love will pursue me. His goodness and, and unfailing love is going to chase me down every day, all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord. That's, that's where God is forever. I, I'm, not, I'm not just going to be a guest, you know, but we're talking about abiding, residing with him. And see, what I'm talking about here is not chance. It's not lady luck. It's, it's not chance, but it's choice to, to how you and I receive the blessings of Almighty God and how we receive our prayers answered. It, it, it's a choice that attracts God's blessings to us, and it's a choice that one day we will experience the fullness of, of heaven. Listen to what it says here in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. He says, today I have given you, this is God talking to us here, his word directing us. He says, today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. And now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice that you're going to make. And everybody's got to make a choice. And if, if you're over here in death, you go, I ain't making no choice. God says, there's life and here's death. I ain't going to make no choice. Well, you're already in death. You already made it. If you're walking outside in the dark and someone says, well, you want a flashlight? No, I don't want to choose whether I have a flashlight or not. It's like, not to take it, it's to choose to stay in the dark. And he says right here, he says, I've given you a choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice that you make. Heaven and earth is going to watch this. Oh, the heart of God says, oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants, your sons and your daughters might live. You can make the choice. Number one, by loving the Lord your God. Number two, by obeying him. Number three, by committing yourself firmly to him. Did you see that? You can make this choice for life and blessings by loving God, by loving the Lord your God, by obeying him, and by committing yourself firmly to him. And then listen to what it says. It says, this is the key to your life. What's the key to my life? Loving God, obeying God, and committing yourself firmly to him. It says, this is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I mean, these are some pretty amazing promises and these choices that he's given us. And how often have we forgot and we just take it for granted? She's like, well, what will be, will be. Well, Lady Luck was shining on me today. You know, oh, no, she wasn't. That's a lie. Every good and every perfect thing that we've ever experienced, it came from Almighty God. It says in Psalms 31, verse 19, how great is the goodness. How great, and that's a measurement. It's not a question here. It says, how great is the goodness you have stored up for those who fear you. And, and when it says how great, that word is limitless. I don't know if you ever, if you're old enough, remember Jackie Gleason. You remember what he would say? How sweet it is. You know? And when he says how, uh, it's beyond measure. How sweet. It's so sweet that you can't measure it. And when you see something like that here, how great is the goodness? How great is it's limitless? It's beyond measure. How great is the goodness you have stored up? That's talking about the providence, the foresight and the forethought of God. That God put stuff here that I was going to need today. He put it here 100 years ago even. The forethought and the foresight. He knew what I was going to need and he knows what you're going to need. Sometimes we don't know that we're going to need something until an hour beforehand, right? 
But he knew. It says, how great is the goodness you have stored up for those who fear you. You lavish. That's talking about just an abundance. You lavish. Talking about your goodness on those who come to you for protection. Blessing them before the watching world. As other people watch, God will bless. He wants them to see how he treats you. You're his prized possession. He loves you and he wants them to know that he loves them also. Now as we study the history of Napoleon, we read a moving story of a political prisoner by the name of uh, Charnet. Charnet was thrown into prison simply because he had accidentally, by a remark, had offended the emperor Napoleon. He was cast into this dungeon cell, presumably left there to die. And as the days and weeks and months passed by, Charnet became embittered at his life. Slowly but surely, he began to lose his faith in God. Do you ever have bad stuff happen and you start losing your faith? And one day, in a moment of rebellious anger, he scratched on the wall of his cell, all things come by chance. That's what, that's what he was feeling. Which reflected the injustice that had come his way by chance, he said. He sat in the darkness of that cell, growing more bitter by the day. And there was one spot in the cell where a single ray of sunshine would come every day and remain for just a little while. And one morning, to his absolute amazement, he noticed that in the hard earthen floor of that cell, a tiny green blade was breaking through the hard-packed soil. It was something living, struggling up toward the shaft of sunlight. It was his only living companion, and his heart went out in joy toward it. He nurtured it with his tiny ration of water, cultivated it, and encouraged its growth. That green blade became his friend. It became his teacher, in a sense, and finally it burst through until one day there bloomed from the little plant a beautiful purple and white flower. Once again, Charnet found himself thinking thoughts about God. He scratched off the thing he had scribbled on the wall of his dungeon, and in its place he wrote, He who made all things is God. Somehow through the guards and their wives and the gossip of the community, this little story reached the ears of Josephine, who was Napoleon's wife. And she was so moved by it and so convinced that a man who loved a flower that way could not possibly be dangerous, a dangerous criminal that she persuaded Napoleon to release him. So Charnet was set free. You can be sure that he dug out that precious little prison flower and he took it with him and he cultivated that plant. In the years to come, he also pondered in his heart a verse that he put on the little flower pot that held his plant from that day forward. What do you think that verse said? It was found in Matthew chapter 6, verse 30. It says, If God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? If God's going to take care of the flowers, which are here for a day and then are gone, will he not much more take care of you? The providence of God. The reason that man received his freedom was because of a seed that was hard-packed in the floor of a prison. 
And because a little bit of sunshine hit that seed and he didn't trample it, he didn't step on it. That was the providence of God in such a small, unexpected place, but it brought him his freedom. It says in Psalms 84, verse 11, it says, For the Lord God is our light and our protector, and he gives us grace. We understand that grace is unmerited favor. We understand that grace is G-R-A-C-E, God's riches at Christ's expense. We understand that grace is God's enabling power for us to do whatever God has called us to do. So it says, For the Lord God is our light and our protector. He gives us grace and glory and no Good thing. Say good thing. No good thing will the Lord withhold from those who do what is right. No good thing will he withhold from those who do what is right. My question here tonight is, are you doing what's right? He says no good thing is he going to withhold. The providence of God, God has made provision everywhere you go. If I happen to get imprisoned right here, it's, it's very possible that a plant could start growing out of this floor. Who knows as many seeds and water and stuff I throw on the floor at times. It might. <laughs> but what I'm saying is this for real. God knows your need before you do, and he's already made provisions for you though you may not have discovered them yet, be patient and be faithful to Almighty God and be above it all thankful. For that sets it all into motion and it begins to work really, really well. No good thing will the Lord withhold from those who do what is right. If I, don't, if I didn't know that already, I'd work at memorizing that one, putting it in my head and putting it in my heart. No good thing, God said, would he withhold from those who do what's right. Romans 8, 31 says, what can we say such about, what can we say about such wonderful things as these? And talking about the limitless providence of Almighty God. If God is for us, who can ever be against you? And if he is for us, we ought to stop often, not just one week out of the year or one day out of the year, and say, thank you, Lord. Thank you. Thank you for what you did. Thank him for the little things. Thank him for the little bitty green blade that came up. Thank him for the little bitty crack in the prison cell that allowed a little bitty light to come in and a little bitty amount of water that he could share and put on that. Those little bitty things set him free, did it not? Thank God for the little stuff. Jesus thanked his father for five loaves and two fish when he had about 15,000 people out there who was hungry. And he fed them all with 12 baskets of food left over. It's really amazing when you think about it. You know, when Susan accepted me as her husband, all that I am and all that I have, it became hers as well. You understand that concept? The two become one. And see, when we accept Christ into our life, all that he has and all that he is, it becomes ours. We are his prized possession. And we take it for granted and we forget about it. And, and we forget often to say thank you. How many times do you, do you tell your kids when you're teaching them and mentoring them when they're young? Now, what do you say? Thank you. But you're, you're after them to say it from the heart, aren't you? And hopefully by the time they're adult, they'll say thank you very much, right? But, but there's a learning process. And there's a learning process with us as well. 
because we often forget to say thank you to Almighty God. A tired-looking woman entered a grocery store, and she asked the owner for enough food to make a Christmas dinner for her children. And when he inquired how much she could afford, she answered, my husband was killed in an accident, and truthfully, I have nothing, nothing to offer but a little prayer. Although the man was unmoved at first, he thought of a clever response to the woman's simple request. Well, write your prayer on a piece of paper, and you can have its weight in groceries. He said it sarcastically. To his surprise, she plucked a folded note out of her pocket and handed it to him instantly, saying, I already did that during the night while I was watching over my sick baby. I already wrote my prayer on this piece of paper. Without even reading it, he put it on one side of the old-fashioned scales. We'll see how much food this is worth, he muttered. And to his dismay, nothing happened when he put a loaf of bread on the other side. Loaf of bread, and here's a note. You know, with a note about like, about like this, just a prayer folded up. He put it there. Then she brought him what she wanted, a loaf of bread. He put it, he put it on there, and it didn't go down. It's very good. But he was even more upset when she added, he was even more upset when she added other items and it would not balance. Finally, he blurted out, well, that's all it'll hold anyway. Here's the bag. You'll have to put these things in it yourself. I'm busy. And with a tearful, thank you, the lady went happily on her way. The grocer later discovered that the scales were broken, and as the years passed, he often wondered if that was just a coincidence, or why did the woman have that prayer already written before he asked it, and why did she come in exactly the time when the mechanism in his scale broke? And whenever he looks at that slip of paper which bears that mother's prayer, he is amazed, for it simply read, Please, dear Lord, give us this day our daily bread. The providence of God, even found in a broken scale, she had a grocery bag full of food for her kids that were so needy at that moment. And we can take that kind of stuff for granted. We're so busy in life that we don't stop and say, thank you. Familiar passage, it just simply says, don't worry about anything, but instead, pray about everything. Philippians 4, 6. Tell God what you need and, and thank him for all he's done. That always goes together. Don't worry, but pray and thank him. The thanking is what seals the deal and empowers the prayer. Paul said there in Philippians 4, 19, and this same God who takes care of me will supply all 
your needs from his glorious riches. And he'll do it in a glorious way, even through a broken scale. He'll provide all you need. He'll supply all your needs from his glorious riches, which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Are we in Christ? If we're in Christ, we're in that place where we can receive all the providence, the foresight and the forethought of all the things he's made available to us. There's an article I read. It says, my two-year-old daughter and I were walking along a busy street when suddenly she broke loose from my grasp and she ran ahead of me and I rounded the corner <clears throat> after her only to see her feet leave the curb and she ran out into the street. No sooner had my little girl taken a quick stride into the street than plop, she stumbled and fell. Later, with my daughter's bruises washed and all kissed, I couldn't help wondering, what if she hadn't fallen? A car might have hit her. What we don't see while we're feeling pain is God's hidden purpose. Is it possible that something that you thought was bad because it was painful, could have had God's hidden purpose in it. What we don't see while we're feeling pain is God's hidden purpose. Sometimes the very incident we see are hurtful. As hurtful as God's is God's way of protecting us from worse harm. Sometimes these incidents that we see as hurtful. Oh, that was really painful. But it probably kept that girl alive from running out in that traffic. It wasn't just uh, by chance that the Red Sea opened when Moses, you know, went down there. And if you think about it, there's 3 million people lived for 40 years on manna in a wilderness. 3 million people. Moses led them for 40 years in a desert and according in my reading, and according to the quartermaster general of the army, that Moses would have needed 1,500 tons of food each day. What would have taken two freight trains, each train a mile long to carry it all for 3 million people. That's how much food it would have taken. And God provided it miraculously in a manna form and if you'll think about it, they were in this desert and, and, and they had fires. They were cooking their food and for light and for warmth and all. And it took them about 40, I'm sorry, 4,000 tons of wood a day to cook their food and to keep things going and all, plus several million gallons of water just to keep them alive and to do a little bit of washing up which would have been, and this is a minimal, very realistic number here. It was probably much more. That would have taken another 20 freight trains and tankers that each of those would have been a mile long, and that's per day. And they rambled around in the wilderness for 40 years. 40 years. And when it came time for them to cross the Red Sea, you remember them crossing that? God worked a miracle there? Now... If they traveled on a narrow path like two people standing side by side walking through it, the line would have been 800 miles long. And it would have required them 35 days and nights to get through the Red Sea. 
So there had to be a space opened in the Red Sea that was three miles wide so that they, the opening, it opened up three miles wide so they could walk through about 5,000 side by side abreast so they could all three million people could get through there in one night. And then on top of that, another problem arose that each night or each time that they would stop to camp for the night, at the end of the day, a campground somewhere between a half to two-thirds the size of the state of Rhode Island was required. A total of somewhere between 500 to 750 square miles it took just to camp three million people. Now, we hadn't really thought about all that. It's just like, whoa. Now, Moses was a man who believed God. And the providence of Almighty God, he took care of them for 40 years in a wilderness. Do you think that God has a problem taking care of you? So every day we should get up with a thankful heart knowing that God is bigger than any issues, any difficulties that I have. If he could provide for them, we're under a better covenant. Well, Jesus Christ has already come and paid for our sins. Rose the we're under a better covenant than they were even then. Three million people a day, they live by drinking water from a rock. Think about this. It wasn't by chance that Samson found a jawbone that he fought off an army with. That was the providence of God. That was, that was an atomic bomb in Samson's hand. And, you know, it, it wasn't just by chance that David was good with a slingshot. It was the providence of God that he was there with his daddy's sheep and he learned how to use that thing. And you'll think about it, it wasn't just by mere chance that, that Daniel was not eaten by the lions in the den. It was the providence of God that kept those lions from touching him all night long. Or Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego, that they were not burned. It was the providence of Almighty God. And stuff like that has happened then, it's still happening today. And we need to become aware of being thankful on a daily basis. It, it, you know, Jonah, there was a very special fish that swallowed up Jonah for three days and nights. It was in the belly of that fish. It was the providence of Almighty God that did that. And, and Abraham, you know, when he was up on that mountain getting ready to sacrifice his son Isaac, and God says, no, don't do that. And he found a ram over in the book, bushes. It was the providence of God because he went where God told him to go. But when we try to take a shortcut and we disobey God, We've, the right fish won't be there. The ram won't be in the thicket. The jawbone won't be there. The manna won't be there when we disobey Almighty God. Think about it. Jesus dying on a cross. God accepting his death as payment for my sins. That was the providence of Almighty God for me to be forgiven and, and to be cleansed. It was God's foresight and forethought. That was God's provision because he knew one day there was going to be a little fellow like me around 16 years old named Ronnie who was going to need a savior. And providence was made, provision was made way before I even was born, before I really needed it. And providence has already been made for you what you're going to need tomorrow. And we should become some of the most grateful people on the planet because God has already provided before you. You worry about it. He says, don't worry about anything. 
He can cause a scale to break and, and, and feed you that day. He can cause your little girl to fall down. Saved her life. And she didn't like the idea of it, but it was the providence of Almighty God. We need to see it from his perspective. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 22, it says, And we will receive whatever we request because we obey him and do the things that please him. This is not chance. It's obedience. It's a choice to obey God that enables us to access his providence for us, whatever it is we need. And see, in the will of God, the entire universe, it works for us. It all works together for good for those who love God when you're in the will of God. But out of the will of God, everything works against us. You're in the wrong place on the wrong mountain. And the... So we want to live in the will of God. Has anyone here ever been hiking on the Appalachian Trail? Have you ever been a through hiker? You ever hiked all the way through it? Well, there's a lot of people who do, and there's some people who just hike sections of it, and it takes them a week or two, but some people spend all summer. And, you know, they can hike a week or so, and they get close to a city, a little town somewhere out in the middle of nowhere, and they'll get off the trail, go in, their provisions are low. They, they're out of food. They may have wore holes in their socks, and whatever else they, they needed... You know, most often they'll tell their dad, they'll write a letter and drop it off at, at the post office when they go and say, Dad, I need another pair of shoes. I got a hole in my tent. I need this kind of freeze-dried food, this light stuff. I need another battery for my flashlight, whatever it might be. And then they'll go for a week or so. And when they get to the next community, guess what? Surprise, providence, foresight and forethought. Their dad had mailed it when they got to the post office, you know, they they found their package from dad. Very similar to prayer, is it not? We tell God what we need. But the awesome thing is providence. He already knew it. He says he knows before we even ask. And he's already made provision for us. And it's no skin off God's if It ain't all, no, you know, it's like messing up God's economy because you need something. No way. He, he loves you and he cares about you, you know. Our heavenly father is much more loving than we are to our own children to provide what they have need of. And that's for sure. Psalms 34, 9 says, Let the Lord's people show him reverence. For those who honor him will have, what's that word? Will have all they need. And see, as we're understanding more and more the limitlessness of God, let us become so grateful and thankful. Even if it's raining, even if it snows, no matter what goes on in the economy, no matter what happens in the political agenda, no matter what happens in other parts of the world, we need to be grateful because it says don't worry about anything. Pray about everything. Tell God what you need and then thank him for everything he's done. That thanksgiving is what empowers it makes everything start working. He says for those who honor him have all they need. Even strong young lions sometimes go hungry. The king of beasts sometimes go hungry. It says but those who trust in the Lord will, what's that word? Will never lack any good thing. Okay, last, last passage we're going to look at. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 10. It says, when you have, have is past tense. When you have eaten. How many of y'all have eaten something today? That's past tense, right? It's, it's, you like something else, but 
You've already eaten something. It says, when you have eaten your fill, be sure to praise the Lord your God for the good land he's given you. See, sometimes we only pray before our food. Thank you, Lord, for this food. Amen. Dig in, guys. Come on. <laughs> but if you can stop after the meal is over with, you can be more sincere. Oh, Lord, thank you for that. I, I did eat too much. But, oh, it was good. Thank you for providing this. Do you see what I'm saying? And he says here, when you have eaten your fill, be sure to praise the Lord your God for the good land that he's given you. You've had a bounty. You've had good crops and all. If he goes on to say verse 11, but that is the time to be careful. When you've eaten and you're full, that's the time to be careful. Danger, danger, warning, warning. Be aware that in your plenty, you do not forget the Lord your God and disobey his commands, regulations, and decrees that I'm giving you today. For when you have become full and prosperous and you've built fine homes to live in, and when your flocks and herds have become very large and your silver and gold's multiplied along with everything else, be careful. Danger, danger. Warning, warning. Do not become proud at that time and forget the Lord your God. So don't forget Sometimes we're closer to God when we're in need. But when everything's going peachy for us, sometimes we forget to say thank you. I'd like us to close with this song. And listen to the words of this song, if you would. It's kind of a new song that's out. And I think it may give us some insight about not forgetting God.
says, when did I forget that you've always been the king of the world? And I try to take life back right out of the hands of the king of the world. How could I make you so small? See, when you and I try to take things out of God's hands and, and we ignore him and we forget him, at least in our eyes and everybody who knows us, God becomes small. But when you and I thank him, even in public, we, a magnifying glass does what? Makes things look bigger. You can see them clearer. And when you and I give thanks to the almighty God, we magnify him. And let us magnify almighty God together. Magnify him because I'll tell you something, folks. If you'll put up, make a point to be in the right place in God's will, you will find the providence of God. What it is that you need for every situation, God has not left anything out and he's not forgotten anything. If we'll be in his will, you will find his provisions in every facet. Let's bow our heads if we could. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it gives us hope. It inspires us. It gives us courage. And Father, help us just to read it and take it to heart more and more and more and help us to be determined to obey it, to act upon it, to study it so we can understand it and then apply it to our lives. Lord, so we can access your providence, your limitless supply, so we can reach our full potential and do what you've called us to do while we're on this old planet. As our heads are bowed, I'd ask you to join me in a simple prayer to just reaffirm our faith in Christ. Or if you're here and you've never welcomed Christ into your life, would you join us and invite him into your life as we pray together? Would you join me? Dear Heavenly Father, I believe that you love me and that you have provided everything I need I want to be in the middle of your will. And I want to discover your promises and your provisions. I believe you sent Jesus. I believe he died in my place. He paid for all my sin. And he rose from the dead. He's knocking at the door of my life. And I opened that door. And I welcome Jesus in as my Savior, as my Lord, and as my King. I'm sorry for my sinful ways. I turn from those things, and I choose this day to obey you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.